Welcome to the Language for Leading podcast with the founder and CEO of the Business of Leading Incorporated, Julian Sturton. Since the early 1990s, Julian has equipped leaders from across the globe with an operating system and real-world set of tools that have improved relationships on all levels, and the work has meant real success in business and life for so many. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and as Julian Sturton often says, conversations are our means to get things done. Conversations inspire actions and form agreements. Until there's conversation, nothing happens. You've got the Language for Leading podcast, and we're about to make things happen. One of the things I've learned about Julian and friends of his and colleagues and mentors and mentees have known is the fact that his mind is always active, including early in the morning before the sun comes up. And you do a lot of writing. So this is uh, an example of what you're writing these days. And it's so uh, prescient, so apropos. The inspiration comes to you at all hours, doesn't it? It does. The point you're making is very, very profound. When I'm about to wake up, my intellect is somewhat still asleep. It's based upon my memories in slumberland. So my intelligence is actually alive and kicking. I refer to that as how I put my frontal cortex to work. All right. So you wrote a piece, and we're going to let you read it in that stentorian voice of yours, and then I'll ask you some follow-up questions. We exist, and how we exist as beings is the source of how we know anything. The distinction between intellect and intelligence, or our two minds, is based upon the following system, interactively speaking. In other words, the two minds. Our intellect is everything we know. Our intelligence is based upon everything we don't know. So if we artificially impose our intellect onto our intelligence, we have a neurological conflict of interest and possibly of grand proportions. It's as if we impose our background conversations onto our foreground conversations. We're kind of superimposing what we know onto what we don't know. So we will have a grand conflict of vast proportions. If we don't keep the two separate, our reality is allowed to be based upon on such a conflict of interest. We will literally speak and be stuck in a vicious circle, physically and mentally. So our memory systems, when it accumulates data, is a form of authority, designed, neurologically speaking, to teach us everything that we already know, or when somebody knows what they know, and they superimpose what they know onto other people, and from past experiences. So as distinct from relying on memory to lead us, uh, we have developed our intelligence by the means of the frontal cortex. So we can learn everything we don't know and learn by creating experiences that have not happened. One example of this vital neurological distinction is through the word smart. If we're being smart, we will take into consideration everything that is already in our memory or in our intellect database and take a creative neurological risk to engage with outcomes or a solution to an outcome that is not necessarily based upon a collection of data that we already know about. We will accumulate data that will require us to interact with all possible outcomes that are not simply restricting us to rely on everything we already know, but all the essential possible outcomes based upon everything that we don't know. Such a non-linear system is how GPS, or Global Positioning Satellite, was built, and how smart bombs are designed. Such outcomes are built on an accumulation of data from which such a system of accumulative data, which when based upon all possibilities to aim for a target or result, 
and by looking backwards from which all constitutes all the accumulated past will have achieved the success of a target and all parts of all the results, then nothing will be left out, absolutely nothing. This is how the GPS system functions and how a smart bomb works. What's more important by distinguishing between our memory and our frontal cortex, a smart person will be a smart person. And such a smart person, neurologically speaking, will not only rely on the intellectual accumulation of the memory of past experiences, they will allow themselves to separate everything that their intellectual composure, in other words, everything they already know, has required them to behave and rely only on their intellectual qualifications. They will use the intelligence of the frontal cortex to make choices that will allow them to make total objective accumulative choices and achieve the agreed results that are on target from all different perspectives, from all stakeholders and from within a constitutional frame of reference. Such a constitutional frame of reference is therefore non-linearly speaking and will require a dynamic total interaction or intervention between all past experiences and everything that we already know, our background conversations in other words, and everything we don't know, our foreground conversations. Every other form of neurological behaviour is limited to actions versus reactions as distinct from being interactive. The success for education by being educated requires an interaction between teaching and learning and an interaction between our intellect and our intelligence. One side cannot be compromised unless we are, artificially speaking, going to exist at the expense of, of one side versus the other side. In other words, intellect versus intelligence. Or the whole neurological system, including the mind and body system, will break down and we may find our human frontal cortex put out of business and made redundant. There are examples of where we have allowed such a breakdown in the real world to take place in the neurological system to occur, such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, when we have not only stopped making and using the making of the distinction between our memory and the frontal cortex, and have allowed certain excessive unnatural uses of extensive external drugs or the overuse of mind-allowing chemistries or chemistries that doesn't belong in our natural organized biochemical bodies. Such underuse of our frontal cortex and our overuse of external unnatural chemistry will offset the natural balance by which it has taken our brains and our bodies billions of years to evolve and to evaluate and to establish such a balance of nature, neurological and biological behavior. So be very careful when anyone asks you what I know or it's when they say what they know. All addictions and all forms of resistance are based upon our inability to make the above distinctions between the two minds. So may we start the process? Let me ask you a couple of things. Yes. My first reaction to this is welcome to the world in 2023 where people cannot get out of their own way. They argue and argue and never listen to the other side. Well, it makes listening as distinct from hearing very, very difficult. And very awkward and uncomfortable. 
recognizing that intellect is different than intelligence, in other words. Yeah, intellect is an accumulation of what has happened, Mm -hmm. past experiences. And of course, going back to primitive ancient times, we relied on knowing what we were experiencing so we could actually uh, accumulate an experience that allowed us to actually migrate from one pasture to the next pasture. So it wasn't until about 30,000 years ago, according to the science, that the frontal cortex actually evolved when we actually required the brain's uh, way of organizing its relationship to its surroundings actually to actually find out, create new places to settle, to new places where our behavior wasn't going to rely just on past experiences. We had to be very, very creative. So it made natural sense for the brain to mutate. And as it mutated, it was creating what we refer to as the frontal cortex. So now, of course, we can't afford to make our frontal cortex artificial because that would get us into very, very deep trouble. And you mentioned addiction. Let's talk further about that, Julian. Yeah, addiction is when we haven't made the important distinction between what we know and what we don't know. So if we rely on everything we know and we compromise extensively past experiences, we're going to get into habits. And that's basically an accumulation of relying on everything we already know. When what we know is threatened, we become very, very, very afraid of certain situations. Of course, it's when people get very afraid and they feel helpless. That's why external chemistry has become the opportunity to prescribe something that isn't part of our natural evolving intelligence. So as you see it, is it the fear of being unaware, not knowing, and you're afraid to give up the fact that you don't know everything? I mean, people have this superior attitude that there is the right way and everyone else is wrong. Yeah, that's exactly where protecting things if we don't know how to make different choices. Mm-hmm. And that's when people do get afraid. They get afraid of being left alone by their spouses or when they're a child who's now become adolescent and they haven't been able to sh- be shown a different way of approaching uh, the rules of the school. So they get very frightened about not making the grade. So, of course, there's an accumulation in the adolescent periods of people's lives when such fears become the dominating factor. And it builds over time. If you get into that habit, as you say, of of not connecting with both the intellect and the intelligence. Yeah, and also it'll accumulate in ways in which your body will actually start to become quite often very dysfunctional. You will cause harm to your body. Remember, as far as I can tell, with all the research I've done with all the scientists, of course, our mind is that which is sending the signals throughout all of our body. So, of course, it makes sense when we talk about the mind-body. The mind-body is the head office. It's why it's in our head. So we have to take care of nurturing and taking care of both what information is being delivered to our mind, just equally as when we're taking care of our bodies. We have to create nutritional behavior. It almost sounds as though the stifling of creativity that is evident when so many people are wrapped up in their social media and not taking their eyes off their phones, that lack of 
wonder and dream and social interaction is is magnifying the problem. Magnifying it tremendously. It's also giving us an unnatural way of not being in control to represent who we really are, because who we are is a manifestation of what's going on in our heads and what's going on in our bodies. If you have artificial intelligence or the overuse of unnecessary extended technology, right, it's going to be the technology that's going to run our lives. Yeah, you, you said it, artificial intelligence. It's not us being intelligent. It's just somebody programming some machine to just spit out what they want to have spit out. Exactly right. And they're yeah. doing research now to discover at the ages between one and six, youngsters' frontal cortex are not being developed naturally because of the overuse of too much technology. So what's the solution in, in easy, practical steps? What's the first step people can take to well, I think the mitigate? First, I think the first step has to do with how we're educating ourselves and how we're able to learn. We're the ones that learn. Education has been governed by teaching. We have to level the playing field. And of course, one interesting incident has been with the COVID situation, when people have now been forced into actually uh, self-educating them at home. Of course, now I think there's a lot of confusion going on. It's confusing to the students, but it's equally confusing to the teaching modality. So we have to reorganize exactly how we're learning and not relying on an authoritative aspect of being taught. You and I have a, a bit more self-actualization and self-realization because we're into this in a big way, you the most of all. But I, I come to think of the word patience and giving yourself a breath before you react. That often has a very positive impact. Uh, if you don't overreact immediately, but wait and let things settle and think about them, use that intellect to help you. Well, it goes back to the ability to learn based upon the experience. They're going to put the learning experience to work. Learning is going to gain you a certain advantage over the ever-increasing, ever-changing situation we find ourselves in. So, of course, we have to own ourselves as far as what it is we're going to learn so we can put that learning experience to work. If we don't, we're going to compromise ourselves. And that puts the learning system out of business. And that's where the roadblock comes in where you refuse to learn. You're, you're not learning because you're just not used to it. You lost that very creative habit and then you're stuck in your ways. And people say he doesn't ever change his mind about anything. <laughs> yeah, because we've lost ourselves by being lost between the authoritative aspect of being taught something. And we're so afraid of so many conditions that are going on around us, around the world. So, of course, it's going to impact our ability to learn. Just one note about the evolution of the language for leading. And as people listen to the podcast series, there'll be many, many more podcasts to come on the basics of language for leading. But uh, with the advent of AI and with the very latest technological developments, have you seen an evolution in the way you think about this program? Very much so. I've had to sort of level my own playing field as far as what I'm learning, because I'm learning every day. It's just that I've designed, with the help of many thousands of other people, the, the language for leading as basically a sort of leveling of the playing field so people can actually uh, learn 
and not be afraid of taking risks. Because if we allow technology to take over our lives, we're going to be frightened of taking risks. And risks are what is necessary to move forward and to not only learn but uh, enjoy life. Uh, risks are fraught with risk. That's the whole reason for them. But without taking a chance, you don't move. Well, you're not learning anything. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, we're a competitive species. And, of course, if we dull our level of com competition, then we're not going to be able to encroach upon territories that are not based upon what is familiar. You wrote a very... So we're actually going backwards, actually, if we... Yeah, you wrote a very interesting piece, and uh, I'm wondering what the people at Meta or Facebook or Google or AI think of it. Are well, they threatened by this kind of thinking? I don't know whether they're threatened because, of course, they've become very, very much geared around how much money they can make. Of course. And, of course, that gives them a very, very interesting advantage. But I think there's a natural advantage, and it's becoming very popular, that people around the world are wanting to find out on their own behalf how to sustain and give themselves that competitive edge that right now is somewhat being compromised by the very wealthy super technology companies, and people are becoming very disapproving of that particular. And let's talk about the ego before we wrap up, because it really is an ego question, isn't it? Uh, I don't want to be wrong, so I'm not going to tip my hat or I'm not going to put my toe in the water and try to learn something new. Well, I think the difference between intellect and intelligence uh, is such that we have to recognize the difference between intelligence. It seems to me that intelligence has been in, intellect, has, intellect has been in competition with intelligence. Try figuring that out if you're getting married or buying a new house, getting a new job, leaving college. You're going to have to think intelligently as to whether or not you're going to be capable enough or are you going to rely on your intellect. Another way of describing, if you want to use the word description, of describing how we protected what we know and how we often find ourselves relying on what we know is when we put our own particular individual sense of power based upon what we already know. Imagine what the future is going to look like if we simply are driven by things we know. So the ego is, in fact, able to uh, allow us that kind of uh, propagation, if you want to call mm. it that. Given us a lot to think about and a lot to argue about. And arguing in a positive, fun way is growth, as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, arguing... Debate and, and back and forth and discussion and listening to the other person. Well, as I said to my son when I was bringing him back from an airport after his college year... I realize that for the success of my son, who's learning as quickly as he can be educated, for his dad to be arguing with him is not a good idea because that's contradicting his ability to be able to be creative on his own behalf. So I decided to distinguish between arguing and, and negotiating. Ah, that's what I was hoping you get to because arguing for the sake of argument, and some people do, they dig their heels in, but negotiating and seeing his point of view yes. and sharing your point of view, that's where we come together. Very much so. And so I've created a whole different relationship with my son. I decided to stop arguing because it's only me trying to prove how right I am. Rather giving my son and my relationship with my son the ability to listen 
to my son's creative ability to learn. He's learning at a faster pace than his dad. Well, that's evidence right there that it's working. It's working. <laughs> and I have a loving relationship that is non-contestable with my son. More people can enjoy their lives and find them more fulfilling than with concepts that we talk about on the Language for Leading podcast. Yeah, because I have to stop arguing, because by arguing, I need to argue myself in order to prove <laughs> I'm right. I'd like to hear that someday, just you arguing with you. Yeah, just get me anywhere. Change voices when you become the other guy. Try looking in the mirror and arguing with yourself. <laughs> I think I'll pass. Uh, I need a shave. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Jordan. The conversation continues on the Language for Leading podcast with Julian Sturt, available on all podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the show, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. The Language for Leading podcast, impactful conversation about fundamental principles that will grow your business and change your life for the better.